Hello, 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 everyone. Of course, this is Alfie Faber, your host with the best podcast, the Sound Perspective podcast. If you haven't listened to the podcast before, you're an idiot. Nah, just joking. Um, if you haven't listened before, welcome. Uh, I interview the beautiful people in film and art who combine sight and sound to create an incredible, gorgeous experience, unlike anything ever seen before. I just love it. I love chatting to people in film about what they do. It's great fun. And today we are talking to one of the goats. We're talking to Icelandic filmmaker and artist, Hlinor Palmerson, which I always feel like I'm saying wrong, but that's okay. Hlinor has made three features as well as a number of really accomplished shorts, uh, which have all played at festivals like Cannes, Toronto, Berlin, and basically every other bloody prestigious festival under the sun. Um, his first feature, Winter Brothers, is a darkly absurdist story of two brothers working in a mine in Denmark who sell moonshine and accidentally kill someone. It's great. His second feature, A White White Day, is a really interesting slow burn revenge drama about a widower who seeks revenge on his deceased wife's lover. Um, his most recent feature, called Godland, is a period drama uh, in both Danish and Icelandic about a 19th century Danish priest who goes on a missionary expedition to Iceland. Uh, last year, he also released a 20-minute short film called Nest, which he shot over two years in his own backyard, uh, documenting his children as they build a treehouse, with the camera angle never changing. Um, it's available on Mubi, and it's bloody phenomenal. It's really beautiful, so do go check it out. Um, I saw Godland at Sydney Film Festival last year and was completely blown away. Um, I very quickly devoured the rest of his uh, filmography and work, and he's since become one of my favorite directors uh, working today. Um, he shoots everything on film, which is crazy that he does uh, on an island with no film processing capabilities. Um, and his movies have a really interesting relationship to the Icelandic landscape with a gorgeous, slow, contemplative style. Um, I was lucky enough to have a Zoom call with Lena from his home in rural Iceland, and it was incredibly interesting. So hope you guys enjoy this one. As usual, follow me on Insta. I'm at Alfie Faber. You can follow Sound Perspective on Facebook. Uh, just look up Sound Perspective on Facebook. Shouldn't tell you how to use a search bar. Um, and you can follow me on Letterboxd as well, where I post uh, reviews of all the films that I watch for this podcast. Um, I do a lot of my reviews as haikus, which is fun. Um, on Letterboxd, I am at Alfie Faber. Anyway, enough from me. Take it away, Helena. Helena Palmerson, thank you so much for joining me for a chat. Thank you for inviting me. Of course. I've um, I've been really excited for this conversation. Um, do you want to start off by talking a bit about uh, how, your, how you got into filmmaking? I believe you were 
um, you started off as a visual artist? Well, it's, I mean, people, people are writing that I was a visual artist turned filmmaker, but I, I don't really see it as that. And I think it, I, I've always worked with, well, I've always been very interested in, um, you know, image and sound and, um, and, um, sometimes, um, I work with photography and, 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 uh, sometimes I work with paintings and, uh, other times I, I make video, you know, kind of video installations and sometimes they're short films and, 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 uh, and, and, uh, feature films. So I, I really don't, um, uh, it's almost like the material itself decides what it wants to be. I just kind of work and explore and just, uh, try to find, uh, you know, create a kind of a surrounding or a daily life that uh, that is exciting. You know, so uh, so I, I never like decided that you know I was gonna, or I never went from you know visual art to to cinema. It it was more like it was all there at the same time, and still is. Uh, but but yeah, they often write that I I I was a visual artist turned filmmaker. I mean, I was never. An established visual artist when you know when I was 13 I was just doing doing whatever and uh, I feel like I'm still doing the same you know ever since it's it's uh, but now I've like found a, kind of found a way to 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 explore you know and that's the hard thing you know how can you survive and how can you provide for your family and and do the things you want to do you know and I, I think the last couple of years I've been trying to figure out that you know how can i how can i do what i want to and 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 survive <laughs> mm. yeah. well um something i admire about your filmography is how uh consistently um auteur driven and non-commercial it is it seems like you only really make films that you care about and are <clears throat> generated from your own practice and that's something that I have really loved about your work. But um, anyway, so you grew up in rural Iceland. Um, uh, what was that like for someone who was trying to make films? Like, I imagine it wouldn't have been too much of a bad thing for like photography or painting. But yeah, as a young filmmaker, what was that like? I moved back here to where I grew up a couple of years ago, um, four years ago, I think after I finished film school and, and made my first uh, film. So I think I did that because I, I was sort of, you know, wanting to go back to my roots or something, but also I think to to give my kids the um, sort of freedom I had when I was little, which I really, you know, enjoyed. And and um, so, yeah, I think, I think I had a very kind of free, you know, free to do whatever I wanted, you know, and... Um, went out, uh, you know, out, outdoors in the morning and came back, you know, before dinner, you know, and I, I wanted that kind of freedom for, for my, for my children, you know, and it, I, I couldn't really give them that, um, where I was, where we were living in Copenhagen, you know, when you live in the middle of a city. And so I think I just, yeah, I was, I had a longing or a desire to go back to my roots and, 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 um, also I think explore those places that I knew or, like these these familiar places in in my new work or or in the work I was writing and working on I yeah it was this kind of strange desire to go back mm. so that um that kind of freedom and open landscape was influential for your uh, like for your artistic development as a kid do you think 
Uh, yeah, I, th- I think the world, you know, I think the world around us shapes us. And I think, you know, the weather shapes us. Everything around us, like what we experience, shapes us. So I, absolutely, I'm, I'm sure that the surroundings here shaped me. Um, uh, and I do feel that, um, I do feel there's something, you know, when I'm, for example, when I was living in Copenhagen, you know, we lived there for many years, I think 12 years or something in the whole. Uh, and I remember having like these uh, moments of like suffocation almost like where I needed to to go somewhere and have like a wide horizon and see very far and um, and I mean if you if you're traveling around here these parts you, you you can you can be alone very much you know you if you go hiking you're alone if you go there you're alone it's 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 very it's quite um, quite far away from from everything but it's a very it's a very beautiful place and it's it it also varies a lot you know you have you have very different areas you know very like landscapes with a lot of contrast you know you have you have these kind of um you know you have black sands and you have the glacier and then you have you know mountains and then you have these green hills and so it's like it varies a lot which is very nice which i like mm. yeah yeah um was there much access to like film or like cinema when you were a kid? Was there a cinema near you? Yeah, it actually was a cinema in this town. It's a, it's a town of um, uh, 2000 people and we, there's very far, you know, to the next town. Um, and the, the next town is, yeah, maybe, you know, two hours away and it's, uh, it's, it's even smaller. So, mm. Uh, but yeah, there was a cinema when I was I was little. It, it's actually not running right now. Uh, it hasn't been running for you know ever since it went from film to digital. Uh, but we're actually trying to get it up and running again. Um, so hopefully next or this autumn we'll we'll have a cinema back. Um, uh, I hope so. Uh, but it it influenced me definitely. But I was mostly influenced by by very standard like Hollywood Western cinema. Um, I don't come from, I come from a very like um, normal uh, middle-class family that weren't really interested in, um, I mean, they're interested in in, in in life, but not really like these kind of uh, galleries or, or museums or, or, um, or, or contemporary cinema or, or art house cinema. So that came that came kind of later. I, I, I kind of stumbled upon things that started to affect me a lot and, and kind of make me doubt everything I was thinking, you know. And like I think happens to a lot of artists, you know, when they stumble upon a uh, a film that kind of affects them and you know makes them doubt what they've been you know seeing before or what they're doing, you know, as an artist. Or it's a kind of standard, I think. Mm. It's kind of confronting when you see new things and try out, like, broaden your palate somewhat. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's very healthy, I think, to to doubt, you know. Mm. Um, and I think it's I think it's you know I think we're, and uh, you know there there's a lot lot of content being made today, like a yeah. lot of films, a lot of TV. It doesn't really doesn't really affect you, and it's more like. Um, it just numbs you, you know, it's, it's like numbing. It's like, and I think a lot of things today are, are, are numbing you, uh, which I don't think is good. You know, I don't think it's healthy for, and I, I can feel it. It's like, I can feel it very personally. Like if I watch a, a good film, I can feel it. I feel better as a human being. And I, 
uh, it sounds kind of you know pathetic or crazy or but I really do feel that and it's the same with like if if I read books I feel better as a human being if I if I do these things that stimulate me instead of numbing me I do feel better um, I have to engage and it takes effort but but I do you know when I go to sleep I, I feel better uh, and when I wake up I feel better yeah yeah I I completely agree about the abundance of content just becomes kind of mind-numbing and I to a certain extent I long for days when it was more difficult to watch a film because I think scarcity Mm -hmm. makes things special sometimes yeah and um, to have on the one hand it's great that so many people have access to screen media now who previously didn't have it but on the other hand Mm -hmm. it just uh, devalues it somewhat I think yeah. Yeah. So you eventually moved to uh, Copenhagen to study at the National Film School of Denmark. Um, what was that like? I imagine that was somewhere where your knowledge of uh, cinema was broadened somewhat from what you had experienced growing up in Iceland. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know how old how old was I. I mean, we moved first to Denmark, and I went to this kind of European film college, which is which oh. is kind of a two semester thing when you're young and you're you know trying to figure out what you want to do and and you kind of you get to try all kinds of things and and that I don't know I don't even know how old I was um, I was probably around twenty or something mm. um, and then I think there I I, I really started to. You know, watched very different film from from what I what I was used to, and I just felt a really deep connection because it was it felt like um, you know exciting and it felt personal and uh, not like in a private way, but it felt like really personal and in a very interesting way. So uh, yeah, and it just connected to me. It's like when you hear someone talking or saying something that you somehow have thought or felt, you know, and some, suddenly you were seeing it. Uh, so it was very strange. And um, yeah, I, I began to take, I think, filmmaking more serious and uh, I became more excited about it. So, yeah. Uh, what was but, some... I, but I don't know how old I was when I went to the Danish film school because I I went to learn darkroom photography before and uh, lived in Copenhagen for a year with my wife and, mm. and then... Uh, I went back twice and had a had a had a child and then we moved back. So it was a big back and forth. Right, yeah. right, cool. Um, what were some of those uh, filmmakers when you were starting out that uh, were mind expanding for you? I was. It was definitely. It was Stanley Kubrick at first. He was sort of my kind of key. You know, from you know mainstream cinema into into something different. Um, but he he really made me made me doubt. You know, I remember seeing his films and not not liking them very much, but but being very drawn to them and and then just seeing them again and and just falling in love with them and and then later on, uh, you know, it, Tarkovsky, Antonioni, and and then then even later on, Bresson and uh, yeah, they they were kind of the ones that were kind of felt for me different. You know. Mm. That's cool. And uh, yeah, there, there were more like Hanukkah, Paul Thomas Anderson. There were like a lot of, a lot of filmmakers. Yeah. Mm. 
I'm really interested in how you moved between Iceland and Denmark and your career. Do you think that um, like Icelandic national identity impacts your work or that comes through in your work? Um, I don't know. I, I, to, to be honest, I, I, I really never felt like, um, I never really felt I was like, I was, I was, I would never, really never felt I was interested in, in Icelandic cinema, you know, when I was young and it didn't really work for me or I wasn't interested. And in a way, like when you're living in two places and you're sort of going back and forth, you, you sometimes, um, feel that you're in between these two countries. And uh, I've kind of felt that also, that you're kind of in between. So you're, you're neither Danish nor Icelandic. Or, but I think it's maybe it's just the way you are as a person, you kind of feel like an alien. Or um, when you grow up also, you, you feel different because you maybe you're interested in things that, you know, you're, 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 uh, your friends... Um, really aren't you know so so it's like uh, maybe it's a small small town thing i don't know but but i do think that you know i do yeah like i said before i do have this you know longing and always to go back so there's something that's sort of um i'm rooted here somehow and um, and that's important for me and uh i love living in iceland so it's not like um, but i don't know if it how it how it shapes my work or or, or 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 how I connect to other Icelandic filmmakers or how I think I haven't really thought about these things yet <laughs> I'm yeah maybe I'll do when I get older <laughs> yeah well it seems like a pretty incredible country to shoot a lot of types of some types of films i guess but the main thing just being the light and how low the sun is in the sky all the time it's like um i imagine it's much more extended like magic hours and uh, with light natural light like that yeah i mean some of the scenes in in um, godland are 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 shot during like you know during the night in in june so so we get like a, a long, very, very long magic hour. So the sun is like right behind the glacier, but doesn't like disappear completely. It's almost just a little bit behind, but it's it's still very, it's still quite bright. And uh, it's, it's yeah, I, I've always loved that season and that, that timing of, uh, you know, during like May, June to the middle of July, I think there's like... Uh, it, it's bright 24/7, but um, but if it's very very cloudy, very thick cloudy, it, it doesn't feel bright. It feels quite quite dark. But if it's um, if there if if it's uh, clear, um, yeah, it's like day. You know, it's uh, this strange, beautiful magic hour that I really love. It's almost like you you also have more energy during that time. So you, I tend to like work even more. I, I tend to like sleep after dinner just like for half an hour or 15 minutes and then i start working again and work until like two in the night or something wow uh, and i love that let's like everybody's asleep and you're out working and it's really great yeah yeah i've never gotten to experience that like 24 hour sun but um i'm really curious how it affects your psyche and then how that can impact the work you make as well 
Um, I found really interesting how yeah. you said that, um, uh, like you move between photography and film and painting and stuff. And is it is it that you kind of start with an idea or a theme or something, and then you work on like which medium it's best suited towards? What is like your what does a day in your creative work look like? Yeah, it's kind of, for example, I was driving from Reykjavik to, to have uh, a couple of days ago and there was a storm and I had to, um, I had to stay the night in my uh, parents' summer house um, that is on the south coast of Iceland. And um, I stayed there over the night, uh, me and my daughter, and then in the morning we, we, we drove. And um, so because of the storm, there were cars like, uh, like I think 15 cars were just like have driven off the road and into like a pile of snow and was sort of covered in snow. And it was quite beautiful. And, and um, so when I came to my hometown, I immediately took all my stuff and, and, and drove back to, to sort of film it and photograph it. And and I and that's kind of how I work. It's like I, I experience something or see something or read something, and then I just explore it. And often it starts like a yeah, photographing uh, an object or a thing, and uh, and um, sometimes filming. I, we bought a like a thirty-five millimeter camera, so I always have like a camera, so I can always film. Many of my projects are, are filmed over a long period of time, so um, so yeah, I'm I'm working kind of on a couple of projects and um and yeah some of them are you know i'm, I'm still making short films you know i am making video installations and films and it's almost like the material itself decides what it wants to be um yes yeah, it's so it's i would i would just say that it's kind of exploring always exploring and and figuring out and you can kind of feel when it when it starts to have like a like a thicker narrative or like a bigger narrative, it it tends to to become a feature, you know, if it if it really grows, you know, and if not, it it often becomes something else. It's more like a an object or a moment or um, yeah, you know, photography series or something else. Mm. Do you see your uh, non-film work as having a narrative or a story in the same way as a film can maybe it's just smaller or yeah but i really do i mean for i but i really do try to sort of um pause or not i don't know the word for it, not take a pause but sort of like not use words when i'm like for example if i'm if i'm making a painting series i try to like strip the word you know words away from it so i don't have to work with words because i'm sort of like tired of it or taking a pause from it for, for from the cinema because i do spend a lot of time writing because i write my own films and that it just takes time for me to write because i really don't feel like i'm a good writer and it, I, I need a lot of drafts to sort of figure it out uh, how they talk and how it how the form of the film fits the narrative of the film and i it's it's always tricky for me to figure out how they talk, and it takes a long time before my characters talk. They, at first, they're quite silent. Yeah, so when I go to another medium, I often like I'm 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 so um, relieved that I don't have to use words. So, but but you know, a title of a painting or a title of a series or whatever is like really important for me. 
it's almost like the yeah it's a big um what do you call it like um it's 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 one of the what what you know what excites me actually you know if if i if i find a title that fits a feeling in a forum i'm interested in uh, it it really excites me and uh, and i think that excitement is very important you know when you're making something for a long 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 time you know for example godland took you know we started in 2013 and we finished it you know and it's finished now i think you have to have a lot of longing you know and a, a huge amount of desire to make it and passion to make it and and excitement of doing every scene and and working with every scene because it's not only shooting it you also have to you know work hard on it in the editing and then you have to work really hard in the sound and then the mix and then the color grade and so it's like a long process and so i i try to be really strict when we're you know in pre-production and we're kind of finishing the shooting draft i try to be very strict with each scene and say like what you know what you know do i really want to make this scene is it is it exciting or is it just am i just explaining you know and if it's just explaining or if it's being some kind of fact or i just throw it away by so, by explaining um, or being a fact do you mean you're interrogating whether that scene serves any function beyond like exposition or outlining plot it's like it's not enough for you that it's that it's like functionally necessary yeah and that's sort of what i've figured out like with my last couple of films and i we, we had this i think we only like there was the, like this one scene that we made in godland that we sort of took out of the film we we didn't really take a lot out i mean of course we have more material for each scene and and sometimes we go earlier and some out out of a scene or, or or later into a scene, things like that, you know. Of course, but um, but the only scene that we sort of took out was this kind of scene where we were explaining things that have will happen, you know, in a couple of scenes. And it just you know, me and my editor Julius, we just looked at each other very early on and like, why why did we film this scene? You know, it's so unlike us and. And we did, never even looked at it, you know. We just thought it was so strange that we that we shot it. And but I but I think that sometimes happens. And you figure it out with because I, I haven't made that many films, but I've made three films now. And we 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 sort of learn, you know, you learn from each film, and you you each film is like an extension of what you've been doing, but it's still new ground. So you're you're trying to. You know, you're trying to use the things that you learn that kind of helped you and made made the process exciting and interesting. But then you're also trying to sort sort of go new places and ask new questions and and um, so it's yeah. Mm. I find it really interesting to hear you talk about like exposition and uh, kind of functional the functional aspect of plot and how you that has to be conveyed because. Um, a similarity I found between a couple of your films is scene. There's a scene in your short film, A Painter, where uh, the protagonist is talking to a journalist who's asking him questions. And there's a scene in A White White Day where the protagonist is talking to a therapist who's asking him questions. And then in Godland, the mm -hmm. opening scene, the protagonist talks to his boss. Uh, mm -hmm. And in all these scenes, it's so incredibly concise uh but natural the way that you uh kind of lay out the themes of the story or what the story is going to be about 
um, kind of mm-hmm. the stakes. I just thought the those were really natural and interesting ways that you managed to like put exposition in there and there's these little constructed moments between like a figure of authority not authority but like a person a random person and the protagonist yeah yeah i think it's i think you're always dealing with like this balance when you're making a film like how much like um how playful should it be how dramatic should it be how warm should it be how cold should it be how you know, brutal should it be, how beautiful it should be. And it's kind of like the the whole, it's like a rhythm and it's like a warm and cold and, and the composition, you know, that's like kind of what a film's feel like for me. It's like, and you're kind of putting, putting it together and, and you're always trying to balance it in, in the right way. And of course there is no right way. I mean, I'm sure that, you know, we're not trying to make anything perfect, but we're we're trying to make something that is like, stimulating and alive you know and, and surprising and you know and and human and and um and i think that um yeah i, I agree there, there's like there's definitely i think i'm always like i'm figuring out more and more how to you know how to connect the form and narrative and like how because i really do feel like i have like a lot of narratives that i want to make and i have a lot of forms that i want to make but I don't, you know, the tricky thing or what really is um, kind of, um, you know, the process for me is to to try to make the form work with the narrative and vice versa, you know, uh, because there it's always like this, you know, and, and I'm trying to get it to 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 kind of um, fall naturally in, into each other. And and I really don't feel like like if I if I'm making a project and it doesn't have form. I'm not interested, and 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 the same, you know, if it doesn't have a narrative and a and a beating heart like a an emotional thing, I, I'm not interested. So mm. it it has to have has to have both, and I think my process is very very much working and sort of collecting, you know, and finding things and that that sort of that I can use so so the form and the narrative feel whole and they they work, you know. Mm. Well, um, diving into some of your actual work, it self um i'd love to ask about your first feature winter brothers which i watched yesterday and was really blown away by it as a debut and what i found really interesting is how kind of tonally different it was to your other two features it's a lot kind of it's a lot more dark and industrial and uh de- depressing somewhat but um it was that was shot in denmark was it yeah, it was shot in uh, two hours from Copenhagen in a in a small town called Faxe, um, where they have this uh, limestone uh, um, valley or limestone. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, can't Mine. find the word in English. Mine. Yeah. And was was that kind of was that script and that film very much influenced after having? found the location because it seems to tie in with the location so well yeah i i, I think uh, i mean it was my first so it was like you know it was it's always or i don't know if it's always but it was for us like really hard to to get a chance to make you know the first you know how do how do you make a first project it's always a bit tricky yeah so you kind of know that you're not going to have a lot of money you have to have like the concept has to be dense or like really 
yeah, it, the concept has to be like it's very important because I really we, we of course we wanted to make something uh, good. We wanted to make something um, passionately and and like uh, we 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 wanted it to be completely itself, you know. And and um, and um, yeah, I think I was at a time where like. Yeah, we had we when I finished film school, we had like three children. We had no money. We had um, we were living in in Copenhagen with no family around us. So it was like it was a hard time, and and I think just my kind of energy and temperament went into the into into Winter Brothers, and it became this kind of I don't know idiosyncratic kind of. Um, temper you know and uh, like the energy of us the you know the filmmakers we tried to sort of put that into the film um but it was um it was so new in a way you didn't really know you really really didn't know anything you just made it because you wanted to make it and it was you know you tried to have it playful and you tried to just do what you wanted and because you, you don't really know what you're doing and you don't really know what's you know what's going to happen or it's so unknown territory when you're making a debut it's um it, you could you, we just felt that uh, we didn't really know anything what we we're doing or anything yeah and i think it kind of you can see it in the film it's kind of like you know it's a bit aggressive and it's yeah, but it's a la- it's a lack and lack of love story you know and yeah and I, I couldn't connect to that and i and I, I still like i haven't seen it for i mean a long time but you know, I, I would, I wouldn't, you know, be embarrassed or anything to show it because I, I mean, I really love it, and um, you know, but but uh, it's very much uh, like it's it's the energy that, yeah, it's it's the right amount of debut energy. I don't know. It feels like the right debut because it's just so crazy and uh, there's so much energy and craziness it is uh, it's phenomenal it's i think it's like really incredibly loose in a really refreshing way and um like it was really cool to see your early collaboration with um what's the name of the lead actor again something hove hove yeah yeah sorry oh Uh, elliot yeah 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 um, and you met him, you would have met him like in film school, would you have? Because he was in A Painter. Yeah, I, I actually, you know, The Painter actually has like the, the, the lead role of my debut, Winter Bros. And then the other, The Painter, is him, he's the lead role in A White White Day. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like I do, I do tend to work a lot, you know, with my ensemble almost, like both with my crew and my cast. So... I really do like writing for people I know. So, so early on, like even before I started writing, I, I often, I often talk to, to the people that I want to write for, and I tell them, you know, I, I have this project. Is it okay I write it for you? Are you interested? You know, this is what I think it's about. Blah blah blah. And and then they sort of yeah, they say yeah, go for it. And you know, I write for them. So, but with these three films that we've made, it's. We started, you know, we started working on all of them in 2013. So that's the strange thing about like these three films. Really? So Winter Brother, White yeah. White Day, and Godland all started development in like 2013. 
Yeah. Wow. It was right after I finished film school. Yeah. yeah. And you just so for me they're all connected. Yeah. Right. Wow. Is yeah. um are you happy with the order in which you got to make them? Was there one that you would have really rather have done first? No, it was exactly the order I wanted and uh, we kind of planned it that way. Um, and that was very important. I think if I, if, if I would have done a white, white day, I, I wouldn't be able to go back and make winter brothers. It, um, so I'm trying always to do that, to really think about, the, um, like what film, what project is next. And, and I always have like, for example, now, you know, we, we were at a crossroads because we had made our first three films that we started in 2013. And now we were kind of, okay, what are the next three and <laughs> how are they different? And yeah. uh, how, 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 and they all work differently with time. And so it fits us very well to have, you know, three projects now that we're kind of collaborating and working on and, yeah. and, um, exploring yeah and they're all kind of connected in some strange way also so yeah well your style carries across them very consistently um i just had like a couple of brief questions about white white day and then we'll uh move on to godland and nest which are kind of the big ones recent ones we should chat about but um one of the most interesting things about a white white day is uh how it treated the kind of uh, genre of revenge thriller and I thought that mm -hmm. it kind of subverted uh, the like our expectation of what that looks like and what that's about in a really interesting way were you kind of looking mm -hmm. at other uh, many other kind of revenge films as influence and what they did no not really but but I mean I I do watch a lot of films and uh, you know and um, so I probably had an okay, you know, kind of understanding of what a revenge film is. And, you know, the energy of, you know, a revenge film is, uh, I've always been interested in like, the, and like, you know, a temperament of a, of a person and the sort of, you know, and all, all, also like the ancient part of our brains, which are probably like, uh, you know, um, connected to, to sort of um, looking after your kin and looking after your people, and and uh, if if something happens to them, you know, um, um, there's there's a lot of you know uh, anger there, which and there there are a lot of these things that I was kind of exploring, and um, um, but uh, I I never I never thought I was sort of manipulating some kind of genre or or. But uh, I remember early on feeling that kind of, I wanted kind of to make this kind of detective thing. Um, but then, like always, when I start working on something, I, I become much more interested in just the emotional part or like the the interior of the, like the, the the person. So, so very often, like the the whole the whole plot or the whole. Um, uh, detective thing becomes second hand, like what do you call it? Like becomes second, secondary, uh, yeah. Secondary, exactly. Yeah. And I and I and I tend to like that's that's kind of how like when I work, it's it's like yeah, I become more interested in just like the human aspect of it or like the emotional side of it, and uh, 
and 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 I you know I think what's important also to say is like when you're when we're prepping something and working on something we're always just really hoping for the film to just take over and just do whatever they want and and kind of get lost in the film and I think that's like when I'm developing something and writing something I I'm always filming sim- at the same time so so I I think I do that because then I can react to something that I don't it's like when I'm writing a script, I, I really need to be shooting. I really need to go out there and find the spaces where we're filming, because I really feel that if I do that, you know, the the narrative and what happens like tends to emerge very naturally. Like I don't even have to, I don't even have to like think about it or write it. I it just I I just write what I see and hear, and uh, what what I've figured out that works really well for me is when I film material and I go out there and make material and it gets, you know, um, uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, developed and, and scanned in, 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 in Sweden. When I get the material back here, like um, I can just download it on the computer. When I watch that material, I, you know, I get so stimulated and I, and I get so like, it just stimulates my imagination. So I, basically what I figured out is like, I'm really good at like reacting to material. So if I see something that I filmed, I create a story around it and I start like thinking, oh, what if this happened? Oh, I think this should connect to this one. And and then I start putting these things together, like scene for scene and, and create these stories. So it's like, um, but this is just something that I've figured out, you know, for the last couple of years that this really um, fits me as a person and a filmmaker. It's, I'm good at reacting uh, mm. and I need that. Yeah. yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it 100% makes sense. And I can relate to that as well. Um, It's sometimes a lot more easier to be creative in response to like a space or like I find it really difficult to write a scene when I, if I don't know what the space looks like or trying to imagine Mm -hmm. what space that interaction would happen in. Um, and mm-hmm. when like, I, it's very clear the impact of locations and spaces and landscapes on your films, um, like both white, white day and Godland, uh, and mm-hmm. nest as well, are all really seem really deeply tied into how the vibe of Iceland, I guess, not that I've been to mm-hmm. Iceland, but, um, from, no. Yeah. You talked about getting your film scanned in Sweden. And that's something I was mm-hmm. really fascinated to talk to you about um, is uh, Godland having been shot on like 35 millimeter. Um, it would have been, there would have been some significant logistical challenges shooting a film on 35 millimeter in Iceland. So you got it. Uh, it was all being processed in Sweden. Yeah. I mean, we don't have a lab and we, we've never had a lab, um, which is very irritating, but it's, I mean, that's the, that's the case in, 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 in many countries now. Mm-hmm. Um, but they still have like a lab in London. They still have a lab in Stockholm and, and also in uh, Poland and, other places so it is still possible to shoot on film thank god and and um yeah we i think most of our projects i mean all of our films are shot on film 
the Winter Brothers is 16 millimeter. Uh, White White Day is Super 35, which is like a two-per format. And um, and Godland is like a large, like the full four gate of a 35 millimeter. So it's like, yeah. And um, and it's just been very important for me to to be able to shoot on film because I, I mean, I do work with digital cameras and stuff when I'm prepping and and like testing and stuff. Uh, but I really don't feel. Um, I mean, I really do feel that the process of, of, of the film kind of fits our way, our approach and our way of working. Mm. And it just uh, captures this kind of extra, extra feeling of this kind of emotional layer that I don't even, I'm not even able to explain. But um, yeah, it's, there's some, there's some magic in, in, in the celluloid. I don't know what kind of dark magic it is, but it works on me very much. So, yeah. I, I'm I've actually never shot on film, which is something that I'm really sad about, but I haven't been able to um afford it uh on any of my shorts or anything. Also that in Australia there's only one um there's a bunch of places that do sixteen mil, but there's only one place left that yeah. does thirty-five mil. And it's um run by this old German guy who's like so he's basically the only person left in Australia who knows how to process 35 mil and when he dies yeah. there's kind of this question of like well does that mean you just can't shoot 35 mil in Australia anymore I guess we'll have to we'd have to just end up sending it overseas like you do but um how long does it take mm -hmm. for you to come back because then I guess you're not really able to respond to dailies as quickly as if someone were shooting in like LA or London or something. No, and that's, I mean, a lot of people ask me about that, but I, and um, the thing is that like, I feel that when I'm making a film, like there, there's so much like the, I think that the most, one of the most difficult thing about making a film is like your energy. It's like you have an, a certain amount of energy to, to, to make something and, and be creative, you know? And I think that's, often when you when you make a film it's like you are you get more and more tired each day and and um and you know in the end you're like uh, almost just like a shell you know you're you're so physically and mentally drained that it's yeah. like incredible and you so i think like i think making a film is a lot about like yeah being trying to be a little bit creative on set and trying to be a little bit open and and to 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 be not tired, uh, so tired that you can't see what's in front of you and can't can't feel what's going on. And I think that's what I've been trying to do with my last projects is like try to serve my energy and 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 and, and um, yeah, just try to be very open on set and and really try to see what's going on. And you know, is this interesting? Is this telling me something? You know, should we try something different? And and if you're too tired, I, I think you don't have the energy to to do that. So, like when I when I, when when we stop shooting, I I don't have the time to you know to to go through all the material. Um, I mean, we do get sent in a you know, I don't know if it was two days or three days. We get sent like these stills mm. just to see if everything's okay, and then we can download the the material. So so there is like a couple of days there in between where, where you don't know. If, if the material works, but I mean, 
it always works. It's not like uh, it's not like it's a great surprise. It's it's more like um, it's more like a pleasant surprise, and and it's good to have time there in between where you kind of where you kind of uh, I don't know. It, it gives you also kind of it makes it more exciting, and I think I think that's a huge part of 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 of, of my process is things really need to be exciting. Uh, I don't want things to be um, you know, dull or, or get too kind of uh, repetitive, you know, you, you want, you want to be excited about things. You want to look forward to things. You want to like, I don't, I don't know. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, it's kind of, yeah, yeah the feeling, feeling on the feeling and energy on set is like extremely important. And yeah. And, and so it's you like, like, it colors the film. Yeah. You like uh, that feeling of, uh, being kept on your toes about what the footage is going to look like, what it's going to be. Because I feel like if I wasn't able to look at the footage for like several days, I would just be panicking. I would, um, I'm not sure what that <laughs> yeah. would do to and my I, process. Like the, the fear of like, did it go okay? Yeah. And I think a lot of people have that. And I totally understand that, you know, for example, I know that it's a, I think it's sometimes a burden on my cinematographer. I mean, she is she is probably sometimes like a little bit afraid. Oh shit, did I expose that right? And uh, was it a little too dark? Or, um, but I would never like if it was. I would never like condemn her or or you know put it put it on her. So it's not like, but but I like the energy that it gives. That we're kind of it's important what we're making and it's like exciting and. And it, and most often it, it kind of gives you the, it gives you energy or like when you see it, it you become, it, it, it almost always surprises you actually the material and that's the interesting thing. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's supposed to be exciting, I think. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I guess that element of surprise can kind of conjure new things. Um, I, I, I was really blown away by the sound design work in Godland um, and uh, how dense it was, especially I really noticed it um, in the when, in the scene with lava because I imagined like mm-hmm. I, I'm guessing you didn't have, is that audio from the filming the real lava or, or was that recreated? It's a blend. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think everything we do is is a blend. It's 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 a blend of really good foley and really good location sounds and uh, and then sounds we make up or or we we record elsewhere to 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 get the right mood. Yeah. Mm. But um, I looked uh, I looked up like Christian uh, Agnes Anderson, who was a sound designer of this, um, who has some really accomplished credits to his name what was um the collaboration with him like because it ended up really beautiful well i mean um like my i i i found out that like when i finished film school i found out that i i don't want to work with a sound designer that isn't on set isn't also my set recorder really right uh so so that is just something I felt really strongly because I felt when I went into the sound design, I felt like I was like repeating myself again and trying to get the sound designer into the mood. And it, it I felt like it took so much energy out of me. And and I was like, why is this so like 
I don't know, crooked or backwards or strange. So I just thought like, let's just, uh, I have to find someone that is, that really wants to be on set and, you know, that is creative on set. And then, then he takes it to the next, you know, then he starts working on the sound design when we are sort of finishing off the editing or, or close to the editing, finishing the editing. So, yeah. Um, so my, my sound designer on, on, um, Godland is named Björn Viktorsson, who is Icelandic. He also records the, the sound on set. And then we he collaborated with Christian Eidnes, who, who I met in film school. And he was, uh, he, he's, he's uh, older than me. And he, he was sort of, uh, what do you call it? Like, uh, he came into the film school to watch our project and comment on it. Uh, I don't know what you call yeah, it. Yeah, mentor. Con mentor yeah and i just really i mean i really enjoy i love his work and I, I i just really like him as a person and he's really like sensitive and creative and so we just contacted him and asked if because we had sort of kept in a little bit in touch or like we had met a couple of times and and i asked him if he was interested in 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 um, in uh, sound designing with Bjössi and and then mixing it together in his studio in copenhagen so we did that. So it, it was our first collaboration together. Uh, but Piotr Viktor, who is also the sound designer, he he um, was also the sound designer on my on uh, a white white day, and he's also the sound designer on Nest. And so he's like on all of my projects now. Yeah. Yeah. And he um and he does the location sound recording as well. Yeah, he does all wow. the location um, recording, and he's. Yeah, and I, I really like that. It I like the more you can sort of, you know, the fewer the better. In uh, I, I often find like I really want don't want a lot of people on set, and mm. uh, I really want to drag out time and and like have a lot of time with each scene and and not like rush anything, not like go from a scene until it's really something that you find interesting and and think it can something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 I can kind of feel from the energy of your films that they're made with small crews, not because of how they look or anything, but just the intimacy of them, which I think yeah, can yeah. often really be lost on like films with massive crews. But um, he's incredibly yeah. talented. Uh, if um, because I was also really blown away by the sound design in Nest. But I have one last question about Godland. Um. Can you yeah. tell me a bit about the practicalities of shooting a live fucking volcano? Because <laughs> it looked like the camera in some of those shots, it looked like the camera could have just been a couple of meters away from like flowing lava. Yeah. I mean, we got really, I mean, I, wrote, I actually wrote, I wrote a volcano into the script in 2013, but, but we didn't of course know if there would, if we would be so lucky to get one. But we actually got one um, two, two months before principal photography, which is crazy. And um, the interesting thing about it is the volcano is very, it's, it was very like uh, approachable. You could, you could drive and you could, you know, hike for a couple of hours and then you could just be there. And, um, and you could go very close to it. It was almost friendly. It was like, uh, um, but of course, like the lens is, it's a, I think it's, I think it's all shot on a 50 millimeter lens or something or wow. yeah, 50 and a 35. So you're very close. <laughs> uh, 
and the lens was like uh, I remember I was focusing because we were basically no crew, um, uh, and I remember being focusing and like ah oh, shit, it was like the, the lens was like so warm. <laughs> oh my god! So our faces were like, and we were shooting there for a whole day and um, yeah, you know until the night and and um, yeah, it was we were on like a high. We were like high on on the. the it's incredible. It's it was really incredible. It was really an experience, and you, the, even like the smell of the lava is like so sweet and good. It's like crazy. It's like it smells good, does it? It smells extremely good. It's like the best really? smell in the world. Because in Godland, yeah. one of the characters is saying that the um, volcanic explosions make it smell like shit or something. Yeah, well, if if it if it's yeah, because like the the explosion explosion uh, exploding volcanoes have this kind of sulfur um, or something. Well, yeah, they have this kind of sour lava mm. that has been there for like a long time. So that's why they make this so much smoke, and um, that's a different kind of volcano mm. um, er- eruption, uh, and right. that yeah creates this foul, very foul. Uh, scent yeah mm. wow like, like learned... the earth has shit itself yeah <laughs> learn something new every day but um <clears throat> your most recent short film nest which was shot from one location in your backyard um over like two years or something was it yeah it was two, two years. years yeah and i watched it on movie the other day where it's currently available um, and if anyone okay. has Mubi, definitely check it out. Um, but can you tell me a bit about like how you started making that? Yeah, I, th- I think I just felt that, um, I think I just had this feeling of like the process of making a film is like so long. It's like uh, many, many years of writing and developing and, it's just yeah, I, I, I wanted to make something that where the the distance from the idea and 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 making it was like really short. So you can like so you could almost like uh, day by day like just say like oh it's I think it's very interesting out outdoors right now. Let's go out and film something and uh, or or there's a storm coming. Let's go out and capture the storm and. I mean, making films is almost the opposite of that, you know, because you, you, you have, there's just so much, much logistics and money and, and, um, planning and the, the whole process becomes a little bit stiff, you know, mm. so I just wanted to make something that was completely homemade and, um, very spontaneous and, and intuitive, you know, um, uh, so yeah, I, I st- yeah, I got this idea of like making a film with my my kids and um, and um, yeah, capturing moments and uh, also collaborating. Like they, you know, the kids getting ideas, I'm getting ideas, and then also just capturing things that happen. And um, and then often like I also like so sometimes I I got the scanned material and and looked at it and I didn't hear anything. And then I sort of rewrote what they were saying. So there was like almost like fictional dialogue. So, and I was sort of playing with that also. So it's, 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 it's a very fictional film, mm. uh, but it kind of feels very authentic and it feels very, 
almost documentary and it kind of is but it's kind of this strange blend which i which i thought was very interesting mm. i i i really loved how it kind of straddled that line between documentary and fiction um was is yeah. much of the dialogue like uh in like did they have labs on them or something uh no we actually we actually didn't have any sound uh, or i had this kind of field recorder that i recorded some of the early earliest scenes and then we sort of recreated them and then we changed the dialogue and we were kind of the whole process of making this film was sort of exploring and then figuring out how, how to make it so i think the the process like the last five months of the film was quite different than the first five months mm. But it was, I mean, it was basically, you know, you, you kind of feel that, I don't know, t time pa goes on like really fast, I feel right now. Like I feel like my kids are growing like really, really fast. And and um, and I just, yeah, I wanted to sort of capture, you know, them also before they just grew up, you know, it's like, um, and I, I feel just like uh, kids are so creative and funny and crazy and, um, and like pure, they're just like, they have, they haven't been like, um, <laughs> they haven't been like, uh, kind of corrupted by us <laughs> or like the world or the noise or the craziness. And, yeah. and, uh, yeah, kind of capture that. And, and, um, and I was l lucky because we had, we had short ends, like from, from a white, white day, we had these kind of short ends of, of, of 35. So I had, I could like use them and, and um, yeah, and I, I like using things, you know, I, I like to use everything and, and find, I like finding like ways to do different things. Like um, um, often when you have like, um, yeah, just like the idea of like, oh, we have a couple of short ends, like what can we make? What's, what, what could be fun? You know, it, it was a very, it was a project like that kind of. Yeah, yeah. That sounds really sweet. And um, I think like the intimacy and the love you have for your kids really shines through in it. But it was, but it, it was often like also just like them being really irritated and didn't want to go film. And, and <laughs> I, also like we, we have this like terrible re recording of me getting really angry. And I told Jesse <laughs> like, I told him like, there's one recording there that you probably, you know, will find very pathetic, but, you know, and that, that's also, I think, part of life that is like, it's ups and downs and it's not always like this idyllic romantic uh, life that we sometimes think life should be like, it's, it's like the ups and downs. And I think yeah. I wanted that also. I didn't want, I didn't want them to be like only friends. You know, I wanted them to be irritated at each other and I didn't want it to be too kind of, you know, I don't know. Just lovey, lovey-dovey, perfect family. Yeah. Yeah. Showing it Yeah, it's always like this balance. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I, I really tried to capture that, like this kind of, the, the balance of, of life, which is, which is both sides, you know, both dark and bright. And, and I, I was, I was also like, I, we, I didn't know what would happen, but I knew something would happen. But, but then. It, like naturally I just said like I told the kids like you know no matter what you never like you never crawl out of the nest and fall you know because you can fall and it's like really high 
Mm-hmm. So that becomes automatically like the thing I fear and, and that sort of feeds the narrative. And then suddenly I'm writing like, oh shit, I think he falls. And then we sort of plan it. How can we, how can we make him fall in an interesting way? And, mm. and that was done like very technically, like with a stuntman and, and like everything. I thought that was real. I thought that was a documentary Yeah, I know, scene. people do that. Yeah. And I was no, he like, would, he damn. He would probably be in a wheelchair now. If, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, he, he would he would be very uh, hurt if he felt for real because it's like it's for over four meters. It's like uh, yeah, it's very high. Yeah, um, it's five six meters. Yeah. Mm. Uh, well, uh, Lena, I won't take up any much any more of your time, but it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you and getting some insight into your process. So thanks so much for making the time. Yeah, man, thank you very much for contacting me. It's been very nice talking to you. And uh, and uh, really good luck with your uh, with your podcast. And uh, it was very nice listening to them. Oh, so, yeah, I forgot you listened to them. Um, yeah, of course. Oh, yeah, that was funny. Um, uh, When I asked Lena to be on the podcast, apparently he listened to a couple of episodes and he said they were good, which is really nice. That's probably, that's one of the best compliments I've ever gotten about the podcast thanks again lena um and thanks for listening people make sure you go check out nest on movie it's great have a good one